Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning, Valley Point Church. It is certainly good to see you, and I hope you are enjoying your summer so far. I know that I am. Tanya and I and the kids just returned from a trip back to Ohio and Illinois to get some rest and to see our family and some friends as well. So Tanya's family lives in Toledo, Ohio, and we got to hang out with them for a little bit. And my family lives outside of Chicago, so we got to be there with all of the brothers and sisters, moms and dads, cousins, friends, all of that. Just a wonderful time. And we return refreshed and ready to be here again. I got to tell you, though, when we're not here, when we're not at Valley Point Church, we miss you. We really do. And so it feels really good to be back with you. Thank you so much for showing up today. I have been looking forward to this all week long, and I'm really glad that you're here. Nine Flavors, this is our summer series, and I want to pause and thank Shiloh and Ben for teaching for the past two weeks on peace and patience. They did a fantastic job. Will you help me thank them? So we continue this series based on two verses found in Galatians chapter 5 that talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about how the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This has been our foundation for the summer. Nine different flavors here. Nine different things that the Holy Spirit is cultivating in the life of the believer. I threw out the challenge very early in the series that I want our whole church to memorize these two verses or at least the list of the fruit of the Spirit because we want these words rolling around in our minds as we interact with people, people we like, people we may dislike, people we have no issues with, people we may have a lot of problems with in life. We want the fruit of the Spirit constantly in our minds knowing that the Holy Spirit is cultivating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I hope you are continuing to memorize that list in Scripture. Today we have the privilege of talking about kindness. It's interesting because as I was putting this together and thinking about our conversation for today... I was reminded that kindness has been a theme throughout the year here at Valley Point Church as we have talked about pursuing our best spiritual year. Well, one of the things we can pour into that if we want to have our best spiritual year is certainly kindness for all people. As a matter of fact, back in February, we gave four straight Sundays to talking about kindness and I threw out a 30-day kindness challenge, a way for everybody to improve one key relationship in life. And I know a lot of us embarked on that journey, and we took that challenge, and we saw some good things happen as a result of the kindness challenge. 
Well, today we want to return to this theme and unpack it a little bit as found in Galatians chapter 5. It's a fruit of the Spirit, a real thing that we should be growing and developing in our lives. Today it's kindness. Take out your talk notes, all right? Grab a pen, and I want you to fill in some of these blanks. Here's our big idea for today. This is going to frame our conversation. Here it is. Being kind to others is one of the most noticeable characteristics of a loving person. In other words, if I think that I'm a loving person, or if I even communicate that to others, yeah, I'm a loving person, that's who I am. Well, that means that kindness will fall out of us because these two things work together, love and kindness. If I am a loving person, a demonstration of that certainly will be that I am kind to all people. Just to get us thinking about this, I have some real kindness thinking points. I have three of them. Here's the first one. Kindness seems very close to what Jesus meant when he said that we should do for others whatever we wish others would do for us. Okay? The two are connected. I really believe that. Number two, real kindness usually costs something and it doesn't expect a reward. It's kind of interesting. Kindness actually costs. And perhaps that's a reason we tend to shy away from it sometimes, or we are not as kind as we could and should be because there is a cost, and there's no reward necessarily that comes back. And then the third thinking point is this. Opportunities for kindness are all around us, right? Opportunities for kindness are everywhere, Opportunities for kindness for you and for me are everywhere, and we don't have to go far. I think sometimes we say this, well, if I go way over there, the needs are great and deep, and if I do that, well, then I will be exercising kindness. And if that indeed happens, that's true. We can exercise kindness way over there, but I think the reality is opportunities for kindness are everywhere and we do not have to go far. Unfortunately, I think we run too fast and so our heads are down, occupied with today's activities and my to-do list and the things that I want to accomplish that I don't often see the opportunities for kindness that are perhaps very simple and we often overlook because of the pace of life. The reality is opportunities for kindness are everywhere. They are all around us if we would simply look for them. And then, of course, we have to engage. And that's what today is for. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Jeremiah chapter 9. We're going to look at two verses, verses 23 and 24. Jeremiah is an Old Testament book. He is a prophet for the nation of Judah, and he delivers a very strong message at times. I'd encourage you to read through this book. A lot of chapters in it, but you'll find some great history and some great stories that happen in the midst of this. There's a lot of drama 
in the book of Jeremiah. Even if you're not cracked up about the Bible, I would encourage you to read the book of Jeremiah for the great literature that it is, because there's some wonderful stories here. Well, what we find in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, is that Jeremiah is giving some words from God, and we're going to come back and dig into the context of this. I just want to consider the words right now. Verse 23, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. Okay, so no boasting in that stuff. Verse 24, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. It's a great line right there because it helps us to know that God can be known. We can have a relationship with him. We can have a friendship with him. God makes himself known to us. Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises, say the word with me, kindness. There's our word. I am the Lord who exercises kindness. And let me add a few other things to this. I also exercise justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. I actually get excited about these things. Kindness, justice, and righteousness declares the Lord. I want us to sit in these words for just a few moments, a few moments, and, and contemplate them together. Often we read scripture and say, you know, that's fascinating, that's interesting, maybe I'll look at that later. I want us to do that now. I want us to sit in these words because it reveals something to us about the character of God and who he is and how he functions and how he wants us to function as well. So here we go again, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord. And here's what I do. I exercise kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. One of the things that we discover about God is that he is indeed kind. And if you open up God and look at the inside of him, kindness is something that we will discover. In light of that, he wants those who follow him to act the same way, to take on the characteristics of God and to be kind to all people. This word kindness here is a Hebrew word and it has the idea of goodness or loving kindness. Most of the time we see this Hebrew word used in the Old Testament, it is translated loving kindness and that may be what your version of the Bible says. Goodness, loving kindness, kindness, it all means the same thing and it describes 
the character of God. And one of the things we know about him, and we discover it in passages like Jeremiah chapter 9 and certainly others, but we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 9 today, what we discover about God is that he is kind and he delights in kindness. He gets excited about it. It makes him smile. And that's good news for all of us, isn't it? If you're anything like me, we love considering the loving kindness of God because that benefits us. And it helps us to understand the character of God, right? He is not distant. He is not an angry God. He is not a disinterested God. No, Jeremiah chapter 9 helps us to know that he is a kind God and he delights in extending kindness to others. Now, here's what makes this so rich. It's when we consider the context of what's happening in the book of Jeremiah and how he delivers these words and what are the circumstances surrounding all of this. So let's think about that for a few moments. Jeremiah is the autobiography of a great prophet for God's people. And what we know about Jeremiah, real person, real historical person, not somebody made up. He's a real guy who actually lived and served from 627 B.C. to 580 B.C. So for some of you who like dates and you geek out over that stuff, there you go. These are the real dates where Jeremiah served God's people. He had some contemporaries some other people who were prophets as well, like Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, and Ezekiel. These are other books of the Bible. Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they are considered major prophets. Zephaniah and Habakkuk and a host of others are considered minor prophets. They didn't have a good fastball. So they're, they're kind of the minor prophets. So those are, those are the contemporaries of Jeremiah 627 to 580. Now, here's some more context that helps us to understand why Jeremiah is trying to emphasize to the people that God is a kind God. All right, here's what's happening. Here's what we know based on what we discover in Jeremiah. God's people, the ones who are supposed to be loving him and honoring him and serving him with everything that they had, Instead, they're involved in apostasy, idolatry, perverted worship. There's some really icky things happening in the culture of Jeremiah's day and moral decay. These were all things that didn't make God very happy. Apostasy, idolatry, perverted worship, and moral decay. And into that context, Jeremiah had to speak and say, you know, I think God may want us to behave in a different kind of way. We should not be involved in this list. Instead, we should be honoring God. How about if we give that a shot? Nation, you people who say you know God and belong to him, how about if we behave in a different kind of way? What if we do that? Well, they listened to Jeremiah for a little bit, but here's what happened to Jeremiah as a result of that kind of message. He suffered what we could call a good old-fashioned beatdown. <laughs> All right? People didn't like his message. 
They didn't like what he had to say. I think they kind of enjoyed their list here. We're kind of into this, and, and we're okay. And by the way, life's okay, and we don't necessarily have a lot of problems, Jeremiah, and we're tired of you poking us, and we're tired of you challenging us to change. And so they beat him down physically. They isolated him. They threw him in prison because they did not want to listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. We don't want to hear from you. And so poor old Jeremiah, he's beat down. Jeremiah is actually called or referred to as the weeping prophet. He wept a lot. I think he wept a lot because of what he saw happening in God's people. I think he may have wept a lot because he was physically hurt by them, and that didn't feel good either. So not a great scenario here. What happens? Well, after time, God was patient with his people, giving them time to repent, to turn back to him. He even sent a messenger like Jeremiah and his other contemporaries to say, you got to change. You got to look up to God. You got to start honoring him. If you don't, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be trouble. God will punish you in some way. And the people continue to ignore what God had to say through Jeremiah and other prophets. They ran the patience of God out, so to speak. And God brought in the Babylonians. Dum, dum, dum. The big, bad, evil Babylonians who were a world power at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar and his forces, they invade and they conquer Jerusalem because they were just that great in terms of their military strength. They defeated God's people and they started to carry some of them off as exiles. So now God's people are forced to kind of look up to him, but they're carried away They're taken to Babylonia, new home, new culture, new language, new religion. It's a whole new world, a dazzling place they never knew. They probably didn't sing that because I don't know if they were that bedazzled by what was happening because, again, it's all new for them. It's all new. Dr. Samuel Goldman, an assistant professor of political science at the George Washington University, wrote an article recently called The Jeremiah Option. What's the Jeremiah Option? Well, Dr. Goldman, in this article that is also entitled, What Would Jeremiah Do?, looks into the history of God's people as recorded here in the book of Jeremiah. He looked at the words and he looked at the context and what's happening here. And Dr. Goldman came up with an alternative for Christians today and how they can respond to the culture around them based on what Jeremiah encouraged them to do. It's a fascinating article, the Jeremiah option. And so we're gonna consider that today Because, again, it fits under this big umbrella of the fruit of the Spirit and kindness. So here's what Dr. Goldman said. How should they, speaking of God's people, how should they conduct themselves in a society that seems increasingly hostile to their values and practices? Can they, in good conscience, seek the peace of a corrupt and a corrupting society? 
Those are great questions to ask, and that would have been Babylon. Their values didn't really match God's values, and so now all of a sudden, God's people are a little open to this, and they're sensitive because it's a whole new world, and there's pressure on them to look up to God, and they find themselves in this new place, and the values don't match. So can they, in good conscience, seek the peace of a corrupt and corrupting society? Shouldn't they stand up and yell and scream and rebel and fight and run back to their home? I mean, shouldn't they do that? Dr. Goldman goes on to say, Jeremiah's letter to the exiles fundamentally expresses a message of hope. Despite their uncomfortable situation, the captives are not to resist or separate themselves from Babylonian society. Rather, they are to pursue the fulfillments of ordinary life practice holiness, and work and pray for the prosperity of the society in which God placed them. Interesting. And that's exactly what we find in Jeremiah chapter 29. So if you fast forward a few chapters, God's people have been taken away into exile. And now how do we deal with this new world, this new reality that doesn't match our values Here's Jeremiah 29, verse 7. It says, And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. And do this. Do this. A place you probably don't like and you're not necessarily enjoying, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. So basically what God is saying is that the exiles will not be able to prosper until their neighbors prosper. Sounds great. All right, if we're to prosper, then we need to pray for them and we need to help them. How does that practically happen though? Well, what did we discover about the character of God in Jeremiah chapter 9? Let's read it again. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. I believe one of the ways this happens, where we can pray for the success of others and how our success maybe depends on theirs, I believe one of the ways that happens is through a characteristic of God and a fruit of the Spirit called kindness. And when we act like God and when we embrace his characteristics like kindness, we certainly can have a good impact, a positive impact, an upright impact on the world around us as followers of God, as people who are filled with God the Holy Spirit. Kindness should mark us. It should. Now, I'm going to be honest, because that seems a little simplistic, doesn't it? Like, ah, you know, everything's fixed by people being kind. Well, think about this, though, for a few moments. What would it look like if a little bit of kindness was poured into our current culture? Even just a little bit of kindness when you think about everything that's happening and all the crazy rhetoric, what if there's a little bit of kindness poured into this? Could it potentially help? 
Think about your workplace. What if a dose of kindness happened there led by you, a follower of God, one filled with the Holy Spirit who is cultivating kindness in you? What if a dose of kindness happened there? What could potentially happen? Think about your families for a moment. Think about your home. What if kindness could change the emotional culture there so that those you love and care for the most actually see this gesture of kindness from someone who is following after God? Could any of this help? Well, I think we know the answers to those questions. Listen, our church... Our church needs to lead the way, I think, in being kind. Valley Point Church needs to be thinking about others first, even when it really inconveniences us, and even when it costs, and kindness always has a cost. We have to constantly be thinking about others first, and the gesture that fulfills that is kindness. I just have this renewed passion and desire to see our faith community in our small little part of the world make a difference and express kindness in some pretty unique ways. All because this reflects the character of God. And when we reflect the character of God, I think things can begin to change in our culture, in our workplaces, and in our families. When we reflect the character of God, it helps. Let me share some takeaways with you that will bring this home now. Number one, love your location, okay? Love where you live. Jeremiah, the Jeremiah option, if we want to call it that, offers a lesson about the organization of space and how where you live is where God wants you to be. And in that environment, kindness can be infused and make a significant difference. I think sometimes our problem may be this. We don't always like where we live, right? We don't always like it. I'd rather live over there. Or I want to be there. Or I want to be over there. And then maybe life would be a little bit better. But God has us here and the challenge that we find from Jeremiah and the story of the exiles and the Jeremiah option is to love your location. Love where you live, work, and play. That's where God wants you to be right now. And until he takes you to another place, love this. Love your location and infuse kindness. Secondly, I'd encourage you to take the kindness challenge, the kindness challenge. This is something we walked through in February, and if you're interested in improving a relationship over 30 days, you can go to takethekindnesschallenge.com, you can sign up there, and you can pick somebody that you want to improve that relationship with and begin the process of taking the practical help that they give to you and doing different things over the course of 30 days to improve that relationship. 
The kindness challenge is all based on extensive research. So it's not a flaky thing. It's not that weird. It's based on research. And the research has shown that if you take 30 days and you are intentionally kind over that process, the relationship may not be saved. It may not get vastly better, but it will improve even if just a little bit. And I think a little bit is worth it. And so if God is kind of speaking into your heart about kindness and there's a person that is coming to mind, like, boy, I need to improve that. I got to work on him or her or a child or somebody at work or somebody at school, whatever that looks like for you, personalize this, then I would encourage you to consider the 30-day kindness challenge. It really can help. And then one final takeaway, and this is the very practical thing that I want us to all consider today, and that is take a simple step of kindness by signing cards in the lobby. We have three cards in the lobby for three specific people and families, and I'll talk to you about them in just a moment. We want to be praying for them. They need prayer. And praying for others is a very kind thing to do. I mean, think about it. You're taking somebody's request to the throne of God and saying, God, I'm not sure what to do with all of this, but I'm leaving it with you and I'm entrusting this person into your care. Praying for others is a very kind thing. And I want everyone in here to consider signing a card from Valley Point Church that we're gonna deliver to these three individuals, to these three families to say, you know, we're praying for you we love you, and we want to be kind to you. We've done this in the past, and I will tell you, it's shocking how much a card with a ton of signatures on it can make a big difference in the life of somebody who just needs some sign of hope. And so you're going to have that opportunity to do this simple act of kindness by saying, yep, we're going to join in and pray for you. So these three cards, here's the first cards for Anthony Easter. Anthony is 13 years old. He's a student at the Garnet Valley Middle School. He was diagnosed with ALD in 2013. LAD is a progressive neurological disease. And Anthony has undergone chemotherapy and a bone marrow transplant to help with all of this. Anthony's present health is that he has moderate visual loss, significant hearing loss, moderate speech loss, mild coordination loss, and he suffers from seizures. He lives in Garnet Valley here with his mom and his dad. He has an older brother and an older sister. He has a support dog as well who alerts the family to when seizures are coming, which is a great thing. We want to be praying for Anthony Easter, somebody in our community, and we're going to be kind to that family. The second card is for Denise McMillan. Denise McMillan is the assistant principal at Urban Promise in Wilmington. And due to some pregnancy complications, her son was born a month early. The good news is mom and the baby are doing well, but they did have an extended stay in the hospital. And we want to be praying for them. And we want to extend kindness to that family. The third card is for Aaron Coben. Aaron's a part of our church. Chip and Anita are in this gathering this morning. 
and Aaron was born in February with some heart challenges, had immediate heart surgery, had a second heart surgery not too long after that, and he has a long road in front of him. And he's got two older sisters. We want to be praying for them and for Chip and Anita and for Aaron's health. All of these cards are in the lobby. And we've designed these cards. They look great. They say Valley Point loves you and is praying for you. You putting your name on that. And if you want to write a note to these families, if you know them, even if you don't know them, if you just want to put a note on that, you take all the time you want to do that. And then they will be delivered this week. And I think that's a great way, a very simple way, very simple way for us to walk out of here saying, we need to do more than talk about being kind. Yes, we have to do that. But let's actually be kind by loving your location, by taking the kindness challenge, if that's something you need to do to improve a relationship, and by signing these cards. We do all of this, back to the big idea, Because being kind to others is one of the most noticeable characteristics of a loving person. So let's be kind. Let's be kind, church. As a faith community, as we go out where we live, work, and play, let's be kind to everyone always because this is something that pleases God. It makes him happy. It puts a smile on his face. So let's do that this week. Father, we are coming to you asking for your help in this area. God, I think most of us would say we're we're loving, we're kind, we do that. But God, I don't know if we always do. Sometimes we're running so fast, our heads are down, we're accomplishing things that we fail to look right around us to see people who need our kindness as a demonstration and gesture of the love of God. So God, would you strengthen me? Would you help me throughout this week to give kindness to all people? everywhere. And God, I pray that for everybody in this room as well, that you would help them just to extend kindness to all people everywhere. God, we want to lift up these three individuals that we have cards for in our lobby. I want to pray for them. I think of Anthony Easter and for his condition. God, you see and you know And so I pray that you'd help him and Tony and Kim and his older brother and sister as well. Encourage them. God, I pray that as they receive this card, that they would know there are people who are kind and are praying for them. God, I think of Denise and her new little baby boy. I pray that you continue to give health to him and help her recovery as well. God, we lift them up and whatever needs they may have right now, you see, you're aware, be with them. May they sense your presence. And God, for Aaron, this 
this little baby boy, this precious gift. I pray that you'd strengthen him physically. God, his heart, you see every component of that. You are aware of everything that's already happened to bring health and life to him. And we pray that would continue to happen for Chip and Anita and for his older sisters. Encourage them on this journey as well. And may all three of these families know that there is a faith community who loves them and is praying for them. And this is a way we can be kind to others. God, help us this week to love our location. If anybody takes on that kindness challenge, God, I pray that it would transform relationships. God, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. May that mark us because it's what you want and you delight in our kindness. You delight in it. So help us to act that way in the days to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.